Own the Rhythm, the Blueprint Series. I am Philip Llanos, your host. This show is about how personal philosophy affects creative work and life. You'll hear from successful writers, vloggers, and business content creators that are living proof of the benefits of discipline. Beyond bragging rights, this show is about sharing their blueprint with you. Open heart, open mind, and ask questions. Maybe this is the blueprint for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am very excited as usual because I take my time picking out my guests. Today's guest is Kevin E. West, a veteran actor with over 62 credits and founder of the Actors Network. Now, Kevin himself has been in shows like Aquarius, Criminal Minds, Bones, Castle, CSI Miami, Justified, Lost, Desperate Housewives. Most importantly, he's also founded the careers or helped found the careers of incredible actors that I'm also fond of, like Masioka, if you remember the show Heroes, he played Hero. And then there was there's David Muner, who's known for The Equalizer, Justified, or Maggie Grace, the daughter in Taken, or Mark Gant, who's known for Ocean's Eleven, and even Amir Talai, who you may have seen on Harold and Kumar. Now, these are things that are important because Everyone in there is a working actor. And that's just to name a few. I'm just so thrilled to have someone who has the experience to back up what they say in the biz, especially in an industry where things are always changing. So this blueprint is going to be left behind for those who have ever considered going into the business of acting. And without further ado, I bring to you Kevin E. West. So Kevin E. West, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation and hopefully we can leave behind an amazing blueprint for people to follow in regards to the world of acting. My pleasure, man. It serves to say that acting isn't necessarily looked highly upon by parents. It isn't looked highly upon by society unless you are the actor yourself and you're in those circles. People usually go, oh, you're an actor, especially when you're trying to get a date. Uh, somehow or some way or another, people just seem to look at it funny. And and I have to get your your touch on this because this show focuses so much on personal philosophy and how it affects creative work in life. I want to know, as a successful actor who's been working in business for years, I want to know what your mindset is when it comes to that and that idea. Well, when I first started, Philip, I can't say that I had a mindset about it, which is one of the reasons why I think we're discussing this because when, when, how, whatever age you are, even I discovered through, you know, being, having founded the Actors Network that I had plenty of people who came into the organization, Philip, who were coming into being an actor, let's say later in life, like they'd made their money and they'd done various things and it was something they always wanted to do. So whether they were coming in at 15 or 50, um, I sort of discovered that somehow the mentality about this profession um, oddly was the same on, on the outside looking in. I think it is simply, I think there are two basic factors. One is ability to, also known as an entry barrier, and the other is income. First and foremost, this is a profession or an art, either one, that there is no guideline to say you want to do or that you are, right? I mean, if you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, you want to... There are things, there are benchmarks, there's schooling, there's certain things that you have to do to even get to be that. You have to pass the bar. You have, 
That's, so there's no entry barrier to being an actor. Funny enough, same thing as a producer. You can just wake up one day, get a business card made and go, hey, I'm an actor. So when there's nothing that prevents you from just calling, identifying yourself, it leaves a lot of latitude for it to be anybody and that you don't have to have anything behind at all of what you do or what you've done to simply say, hey, I'm an actor. So I think that's one of the things that promotes what sort of what the question asks is, is sort of the judgment uh, that we get from others, which, you know, over the course of decades and decades and decades has led our community and our, uh, the individuals to be somewhat shy or sometimes, you know, a little reclusive about admitting, or as someone might say, living out loud, that, hey, this is what I want to do. And then the other thing is that to presume somehow, Philip, that, that, uh, that you want to make money at it. Because you could just be an actor and just enjoy performing. You don't have to try to make a living at it. You know, I mean, you're there in New York uh, where you have a, a city that you have people all over that city that are proud and successful at being a professional waiter, right? Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in a city like New York, you have that. So if you flip that and go, you know, I'm happy to be a professional waiter and I do acting on the side because I love it. Okay, but that's not a common phrase. What you commonly have is, well, I'm waiting tables, waiting to work more as an actor. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, 99.8% of our profession doesn't make a ton of money, and 98% of our profession really barely makes above 50 grand a year, which once you hit 30, 35 years old, if you want to have a family, you know, that's really not, that's a hard living wage, especially if you're in an expensive city like Los Angeles or New York. So I have an old joke that I used to say all the time, Philip, about how the, the paradox that being an actor is, and this is it. Whenever actors go on strike, and again, I know you're, you're, you're newer to the profession, but you know, once in a while, when you're a union member, SAG-AFTRA, and back in the day, we, we have gone on strike. And so when you, the general public, let's say people in Ohio or Tennessee, where I'm from, or so, see a bunch of actors on strike, the natural thought or the natural language that I hear come out of people's mouths is, oh, look at all those rich, spoiled babies on strike for what? They're, they're all millionaires, which, of course, we know is so not true. But not true. that's the perception. Right. Not true. But that's the perception, of course, because of the stars. Yet, if you were a 50-year-old man, Philip, and your daughter was 21 and she came home one day and she said, oh, my God, Daddy, I'm in love with an actor. Your first thought would be, oh, Lord, he's never going to be able to pay the bills. How do you square those two statements? The same 50-year-old when we're on strike calls us all a bunch of rich, spoiled baby millionaires. And then the, the daddy whose daughter is in love with one, his first thought is, oh, he'll never be able to pay the bills. Well, you can't have both of those thoughts simultaneously. That's, of course, somewhat illogical and unfair. Yet, that's exactly what occurs. Because that's how we're looked at. The community is viewed when we are, are being upset about something, same as I've heard people for decades say they don't want to hear any, anybody's opinion who's an actor with regards to politics or social issues. Like, wait a second, I'm, I'm a human being, a citizen and a tax-paying citizen. So I have a right to have an opinion. So those are some of the constructs where actors are sort of set aside, as it were, or put into a box that's fairly negative um, when it's convenient to do so. So I think that's a lot of what this comes down to in terms of your, how do I think people think about the 
the pre-thought of being an actor, which again, you're right, causes people sometimes to not feel very proud of calling themselves an actor. Right. No, I appreciate that. And the next seemingly logical thing to touch on that I, I imagine listeners would want to hear your opinion on is the whole act of ethnicity and race and boxing that in. And that's a whole other card to play in itself. Yeah. You know, you and I chatted about it a little bit when we were we were having our uh, beer. It wasn't a coffee; it was a beer, right? In, <laughs> yeah. in, Los, in, in, Los, in Los Angeles, that that's why that's why you know my TED talk that I will be doing next year, and you know the the second chapter of my book is called the decision. It's like you can't expect other people to be in your head about this. Yes, you can you know commune and consort with with fellow artists, but you have to make a decision to yourself. That's my thing, the decision that you are going to become an artistic product for sale and not just an artist. And the more you stay focused on that, then I believe the more you have begun to make your own blueprint for what it is you want to do. For me, and sometimes people think that just because they're moving, they made the effort to move to California, made the effort to move to Manhattan, that that's a clear distinction and decision. It's like, it is one of physical action, I agree with you, but it's not necessarily the one men mentally and emotionally that's going to carry you through the difficult times of trying to build a resume and a career. And let's take me just for example, I'm, I'm a Latino, right? Or I have a Latino appearance to some degree. So now I think that there's no way I could ever audition for this part or that part. And all of a sudden I become discouraged and I no longer want to move forward. You know, you, you hear what I'm saying? So that personal philosophy, all of a sudden I'm like, well, you know, they would never cast me for this. And so what does it matter? I may, I may as well just turn away now and not pursue it. Uh, what do I have to say about that? Gosh, John Leguizamo. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I mean, I can run down uh, all sorts of examples of there are human stories for every ethnicity. And there are human stories, especially in the last, especially since the turn of the century. Alternative casting, which shouldn't be phrased alternative casting, it should be phrased just legitimate real life casting, has become so much better than it was, especially in this country, for, for the last six or seven decades of being an actor, that there are now more people that are open to auditioning and hiring people in your category versus someone who is just a Caucasian contemporary of yours uh, than ever before. So that I, I would, my response to somebody who was carrying that belief system or thought is that, um, well, this is why knowledge is power. If you were to actually look at any metrics or statistics in this area and look on television or film, you would see that uh, it is not uncommon at all these days for someone who is of a different uh, etymology, origin, or ethnicity to be hired in a position that uh, someone my type would have gotten 20 years ago. So mm -hmm. I, I, those numbers have gone up and it's a fact. It's not, it's not something I'm just inventing in my head. So that would be my response to that, Philip, for sure. Sure. Yeah. The reason I ask is I know that there, I've, I've met a few friends who, who have that, that belief that, well, you know, I look one way and I mean, after speaking to you specifically, I definitely, felt more along the lines of your own train of thought where that just opens up opportunities that are specifically available to you. I do appreciate your sentiments on that. Yeah, and well, I mean, it's just, again, it's a business. I just look at it as a business and the business has changed and the business is far more inclusive today than it was 25 years ago. 
So there's, as you say, there's, there's a decision that needs to be made, what you call the decision to understand that you're going to be a artistic commercial product for people. And uh, once that decision has been made, what is the best way to, to illustrate this is a hardworking actor? This is someone who gets up at a specific time and does these specific things and goes out for these specific things. Or is that, is that all relative to the individual and it's more about just the mindset individually with the decision? And no, it's, uh, no that's, a, that's an appropriate blueprint type question, Philip. It's not, it's not uh, relative to at all. Uh, the specifics of what you may be doing every day might be a little more relative to somebody, their lifestyle, their type, or whatever, but what it would be as it is in any profession, and this is why uh, maybe it's because I was a former uh, athlete who wanted to be a professional, maybe it's because of how I grew up, and some people do have this, and it is a, it's a work, work ethic that is associated with something that doesn't have a specific um, guaranteed return. Again, you know, being, starting to pursue being an actor is not a time in money out business. You can put in 70 hours in a week and make nothing. So this is part of the challenge of this. But the answer to your question is simply having, executing a consistent game plan on a weekly basis. There you go. That mm -hmm. number of words, whatever that was, that's what it is. It is executing, that's why it's the first word, a consistent game plan on a weekly basis, which just means you have to have a game plan. You had to have put together something that you're going to do in various areas towards being a professional work and becoming a professional working actor. That is a game plan. And then executing it consistently, which means every week on a weekly basis. Um, and it's not a daily basis. It's not the same as working out. Uh, it's not the same as whatever your diet or nutritionary sort of boundaries are. It's a weekly basis because in our profession, there's a lot you could accomplish in two or three days out of that week. And then maybe the other three or four, you don't do as much just based on your sort of current work schedule or life schedule, but it's still a matter of doing it consistently and having a game plan. So you make a decision, you put together a game plan, and then you pursue that game plan through weekly execution. And, you know, you can tweak and change that game plan over time, Philip, but, but that, is, that is not relative to someone's type. That is simply a principle that works in any profession of any kind. Love it. Now, uh, one thing that has been heard time and time again about Hollywood in general is they say it's not, it's not what you know, but who you know. Does that still stand strong 25 years later? Haven't been in the industry that long. Is, is, is that changed? Can you can you get by without schmoozing? Uh, well, I think we have a couple of long-standing sort of stereotypes in there that that I'd probably spend a little time sort of unpacking and pulling apart. Can you get by without schmoozing? Love the word, by the way, Philip. I've <laughs> always got a kick out of that word, schmoozing. Uh, I probably would. I probably would call schmoozing today uh, simply engaging people on the other side of the desk. Uh, which is also why I don't use the phrase networking. I, I say targeted networking. But um, I many, many years ago, when I was first uh, speaking uh, at the Actors Network, I, I turned that phrase around and said, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. And the who knows you part is having spent as much time and as often as you can do it, meeting and talking briefly, keyword, not schmoozing, briefly to people who can be 
rather than being assistive in your career or rather than giving you something or handing you something or, and I just need somebody to help me out. Well, what you need is you need this, Philip. You need as many legitimate individuals in your industry who are aware of you and think highly of you so that they can therefore at some point consider you. That's not schmoozing and that's not networking. It's exactly what I just said. You need to have as many individuals in this profession as you can possibly have who have a sense and understanding of you and therefore would be willing to consider you. If somebody wants to call that networking, if somebody wants to call that schmoozing, that's where it gets individual, Philip, is how somebody likes to phrase it or what jargon they want to associate with it. But does it matter in this profession today that you still have a number of people of what I call, you know, as a part of your spider web that are, that you didn't know before you got into this business? Absolutely. Does it still matter if you're one of those people who's sort of born into a family where there's either a lot of already entertainment success and they, their friends tell two friends and they tell two friends and you don't have to do as much of that just by birth. Yeah. That still matters too. Sure. I mean, I mean, you know, lucky positioning will always matter. Just ask our, ask a number of people who were born as trust fund kids. Um, Um, It makes it a lot easier to not have to worry about that summer job. So sure. It always helps to, to know people, but it's also uh, that will never change. But to me in this profession, it's also that people know you. And so I don't, I never really looked at it as networking or schmoozing or any of that. I just looked at it as I am a walking billboard for what I'm selling as an actor who wants to do it for money. My physical type, my height, my face, my skin, my voice, everything about me. And while yes, we certainly have pictures and yes, especially today, we have video content where, you know, we have things that are either what we call a, you know, an edited master demo reel or whether or not you just have pieces of stuff that you've done, but in-person communication and in-person engagement is, uh, is incredibly unique and uh, way more powerful. And so I will always believe that actors need to, who are trying to build a career, that one of those things in that game plan is to consistently find a way to encounter, that's the word I use, encounter people on the other side of the desk who can affect their career positively. And so, yes, it is intrinsically and inherently a part of this business. Absolutely. And it's the thing we hate the most. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can't tell you how many parties I've been to. Or I, I think I asked someone, one of, one of the first parties I ever went to uh, when I first started sort of dabbling with the idea of acting. And I said, how do you, how do you guys do this every day, all the time? And this is just the, the what you do for a living. And the guy turns over to me and says, well, Philip, it's all bullshit. And all I could think to myself was, well, damn, that's a terrible way to live, to be introduced to the industry. I like your way a lot better. When somebody, depending on their position, says it's all bullshit, um, I, uh, I, I know why they use that phraseology, but it, it's, not, it's not accurate. It, it is entertainment. And I think one of the easy ways to not look at it as bullshit is just to realize it's a multi-billion dollar business, period. It's a multi-billion dollar business. Now, you tell me, Philip, even if you had a lot of money, if you were investing, you know, $5 million into some film, is that bullshit to you? No. Right. So the truth of the matter is, 
you can get caught up in what other people want to characterize something as. You can get caught up in in sometimes what feels like the bullshit of how and why somebody gets a job. But if you think for one second that producing something that you got $5 million into or a TV show that, that costs $5 million on a weekly basis to produce is bullshit, then I would probably agree you probably shouldn't be in this business because that ain't bullshit. That is, I would agree with you, Philip, much more so about your mentality. I never viewed this business as bullshit. I viewed it as subjective, and that's different. That's the same as saying dating is bullshit. Yeah, sometimes dating sucks. Yeah, sometimes there's a lot of bullshit that comes along with dating, absolutely. But uh, some of the point, or at least hopefully some of the point of dating at some point is is that you meet someone special and that you also have a lot of enjoyment along the way. So, but it is, but it is vastly and terribly subjective. Well, the business of art is subjective. Get over it. That's one of the first things that I talk about in my book. If you can't handle that truth, then you should just be an actor who is a professional waiter or, or does something else and just acts on the side because you love it and don't have any career goals about it. Because this is a multi-billion dollar business. And that, I assure you, for those people put that money in, it ain't bullshit. But it is terribly subjective. And just like the rest of life, it is terribly unfair. Couldn't agree with you more. I don't think I've ever heard that context. Right. I mean, you don't. You know, you again. That this concept that that you know it's all bullshit. Well, that sort of presumes to say that you know somebody can just show up when they feel like it. No one has to be on time, and it's just everything's sort of haphazard. But and that's horseshit, man. That is that is horseshit. Do do as we've just seen for what's gone on in Hollywood with Weinstein and Spacey and Louis C.K. Do people who have a lot of clout and a lot of power and a lot of leverage get cut a lot of slack regarding a lot of things far beyond just sexual assault? Absolutely they do. And guess what, Philip? They do in every single industry in this world. Right. CEOs who make billions that get away with all sorts of sexual assault and many, many other things. Currently, our president is getting away with breaking about five laws we've had in place in terms of owning your own businesses while you know, gaining monetarily from being president. That's not even a political statement. It's just a fact. So there are, yes, people in power will always get away with lots until you're actually call them on it, you know, sue them or whatever. But that doesn't presume or that doesn't make an entire profession bullshit. It doesn't. And I think a lot of times it's, it's very helpful to us, Philip, because it is such a frustrating business. It helps demean the business by getting on that train of calling it all bullshit, and therefore it makes us less responsible to what it is we claim we want to do. But I just don't believe that's a winning mentality and a winning philosophy. If you really want to do this and make money at it, I don't think calling it all bullshit is a good premise to have. Agree with that. If I'm not mistaken, you've got over 25 hours of discussions on on the business in general available online to to just anyone. Yeah, I mean the Actors Network. If you go to actors-network.com, the Actors Network has a uh, an online membership, and it's uh, really inexpensive. Um, actually, people should jump on it now because I'm going to be changing the pricing uh, at the end of this year. But yeah, for ten dollars a month, I mean, I have I have a hundred fifteen minute webinars uh, on on there, and so there's twenty five hours of content that you can on all sorts of various subjects, some of which are tangible and some of which are philosophical. I have them both. Because I've always discussed both, just as we have here today. They both apply. You can't just do one or the other. 
Got to do them both. If there was just one thing you could, you could go tell yourself way, 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 way back into the beginning of your journey. And obviously it's more than one thing that you wish you could tell yourself, but if you really only had just one thing you could leave behind for yourself, what would that be? I probably would have spent more time um, if I went, went all the way back and, and looked back at how I, I probably spent too much time trying to do too many aspects of this industry. Um, I, you know, we, we call it acting and we just kind of leave it at that. But acting is not the same as performing and acting performing is not the same as being an on-air personality. There are a lot of ways to sort of pick apart uh, and categorize quote unquote performers or people that are talented. And as I had identified a long time ago, I'd, I'd identified like 45 different professions in which you could make a living in just that one lane um, as, a, as a performer. And I think one of the mistakes that we commonly make because there are no rules, there are no guidelines is we, we try to pursue and or leave ourselves open to too many of them. Whereas some people are very, very clear, Philip, right off the bat that I just want to do stand-up comedy or I just want to be a singer or um, I just want to do voiceover or I just want to do dot, dot, dot. And I would say that I spent, I wasn't trying to be a jack of all trades and a master of none, but I would probably say the, the biggest error that I made in the first five to 10 years of, of this profession was that I didn't just hone down and go, okay. These are the one or two, here are the one or two aspects of this industry type of work that I'm going to focus down on because daytime television is not primetime television and our drama is not half hour sitcom. So that's probably the one thing I would say is, is try not to tackle it all. Be really specific and learn really early on what turns you on the most as a, as a performer and really pursue everybody and everything related to that. What I call in my book, area of industry. That's probably the one thing I'd say today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have me thinking right now, what are the other 42? <laughs> oh, well, they're all in my book, man. <laughs> Amazing. Well, hey, Kev, thank you so much, man. I, I think I think this is plenty. If, if people want to learn more, they should find you where? You can go to actors-network.com or just put the Actors Network in Google. Uh, my website is kevinywest.com. Uh, my Twitter is at the Kevin e. And um, I mean, I do, I do consultations via Skype or, uh, or here in Los Angeles all the time. Uh, so that's an easy way to find me. And also, you know, Philip, the Actors Network has a closed group Facebook page. And that would be a really, a really good thing that I would encourage people to, to, you have to request to join and then you have to answer two questions. Uh, but that has, we have like, 8,300 people in that group. And so that's a really, that's a really good professional uh, group to be a part of on Facebook. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to jump on that myself, right? <laughs> like right after this call. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Kev. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. I hope this blueprint will help you own the rhythm in your space. Feel free to subscribe and reach out to me on Instagram and Twitter at Philip Lanos, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-L-A-N-O-S. Also, you can visit OwnTheRhythm.com if you want help producing your podcast. Open heart, open mind, and ask questions. Stay tuned for the next Blueprint.